Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you always for joining in today. And I hope that your Sunday or your weekend was going well and that this helps you really move into the week and make good choices because that's what we're talking about today. You always have a choice. So we can't blame on anyone. If you choose to be, (laughs) you know, a, a very poor adult, then you need to take responsibility for it. And We know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But you can be an exceptional person if you own your own misjudgment and you learn from it. See, choices. Are you taking advantage of this quality? Choices is a quality that we have. You have a choice. So you want to take responsibility for this gift. And and you want to say to yourself, hey, this is offered to me. So I want to take advantage of this. I have a choice all the time. No one can ever take your choices away. We've had studies that have done with prisoner of war people in in those types of camps, and the one thing that they always knew they had was a choice. It didn't mean they had a choice to be free, but it meant they had a choice as to how they were going to contend with it. Some refused to contend with it and died in the process. So I want you to think about this. Are you taking advantage of this quality? Are you just abdicating choice to your mood, to convenience, to feelings, what's easiest? Or how about, you know, letting society or friends or trends or just expedience? Maybe that's what's making the decision for you. See, it's a gift or it's a curse that you have to decide. So think of how many choices you have in one day. How many of those choices you abdicate to chance? Excuse me. 
Free will means, really listen to this, quote-unquote, free will. No one can make you do anything. No one can stop you. Maybe in the outside world you can experience an idea reflected or thwarted, possibly. Maybe you can force me to do something, but really on the inside, I'm resisting and refuse to be in agreement with you. So even if you only have had bad choices, it's still your choice to choose the better, even if it's for the worse. So think about that. I can resist and refuse to be in agreement with something. It doesn't mean I can change it, but I can know me and I can stand firm in what I believe. And there's a great book from um, Dr. Victor Frankl, and he um, went through years and years in German uh, camps, and it was terrible for him. And what he noticed and what he saw with all of the prisoners is that the ones that accepted the plight and didn't resist made it out alive. That doesn't mean that they caved in and became a victim. It means that they continued to accept the circumstances that they found themselves in, and they were not going to be untrue to who they are. So think about that. You really can't blame anyone. And if you choose poorly... You want to take responsibility for it. You don't have to be perfect, but you really still can be an exceptional person, even if you have misjudgment, even if you have need to learn something over and over again, that still makes you a good human. And so I want you to take advantage of this quality, that you have a choice. So one of the things that I teach my my clients is to use what we call the wise choice process. And what is the wise choice process? Well, we can use many templates and processes to support ourselves in the best possible outcome, to have the life that we can be proud of and energized by. And so one of those qualities that we want to take advantage of is our decision-making abilities. What's the decision-making process that you go through? I want you to really think about this. How do I make decisions? How do I choose? Or how do I, I don't know, repeatedly abdicate because I don't want to choose? That's still a choice. So the decision-making process for you can be as simple as this one. Define the problem, identify limiting factors, develop potential alternatives, analyze the outcomes, Select the best alternative, implement the decision, and establish a control and evaluation system. You could memorize that. That is the wise choice process. But if the only thing you get out of this wise choice process, I want you to think about the first three. Number one is defining the problem. Sometimes that's not comfortable. Sometimes we want to avoid it. Sometimes we want to ignore the problem. We want to pretend like it's not happening. But see, a wise choice says I need to define the problem. Now, if that's the only thing you do, you define the problem and you still, you know, live haphazardly, that's really up to you. It really is your choice. But if you can define the problem, you are really coming close to being able to overcome it. 
doesn't mean that it will happen automatically or even quickly. But defining the problem. So this is what I want you to consider. It's difficult many times to admit that there is a problem. And many of you that have listened to me over all these years knows that one of the ways that I became, truly became a psychotherapist was because I had an eating disorder that I almost died from. And this is in my 30s, early 30s, through some of my 40s. And I ended up becoming a, a psychotherapist because of it. Now, I had to define the problem, and I wanted to ignore it. And my parents kept saying, you're losing weight, you're losing weight. And what I want you to understand here is, that's what I lived for. I lived for my parents to say that because prior to that, they had worried about me being overweight. And so defining the problem wasn't really about my weight, was it? The problem was really about how I saw myself whether I cared for myself, whether I was on my own side, <clears throat> these types of things, that's really what the problem is. The problem was I didn't feel good about myself. And so I kept thinking if I got thinner and thinner and thinner, maybe I'd actually disappear. And if I got thin enough, maybe I would get a lot of accolades for that. Maybe people would say, wow, you're so thin. This is great. And actually, the, the opposite happened. So I had to define the problem. And the problem was not the food, right? The problem was my self-esteem, my self-worth, how I viewed myself. And so after defining the problem, then I had to identify what limiting factors there are. What, what's limiting me from getting past this? Well, one for me... It was actually believing people when they said I was too thin. I had a hard time believing that. Even if I stepped on the scale and saw the number, <clears throat> which was terrible, I still had to really, truly identify the limiting factors. What's getting in my way? Well, what was getting in my way was that I didn't like the truth. I wanted to make my own. I wanted to say that, hey, this is working for me and everybody should be happy for me. And so as I'm identifying limiting factors like, hey, if I'm going to get over this eating disorder, what do I need to do? Well, I need to make friends with food. That was a tough one. That was a really tough one. And so the things that were going to limit me was the fact that I wasn't fully bought into resisting anorexia. It kind of became my friend in some ways. It kind of was soothing. It was like made me feel kind of powerful. And so I had to really work on what were limiting me. What was limiting me in getting well? A lot of it had to do with my self-concept. A lot of it had to do with trust. I needed to trust people that were caring for me when they told me the truth. And I really need to really start loving myself. And that was really tough. Because over the years, I had really, really, really created a hatred toward myself. I was so mad at my body. I was so mad at it. And so this is where, when I think about what the limiting factors were going to be for me, first and foremost, a limiting factor, if I continue to do this, would probably be death, actually. 
And I could have a lot of other very, very serious problems that my body would have to heal from. So the things that limited me was that kind of work. But even more than that, I was afraid. I was afraid that if I started working on my eating disorder, I'd get fat again. Now, please hear me when I say I really wasn't ever fat. And when I work with um, <clears throat> anyone that has eating disorders, I remind them that fat is not a feeling, <laughs> even though it's hard to. It's really hard to have someone buy into that if they're struggling with eating disorders. So I had to really look at what are, the, what are the limiting factors here? Well, the limiting factor is I can be really, really skinny and die in the process. Also not real attractive. And it also starts to ruin my body and harm my brain. And so I had to really, what's going to get in the way of me healing from this eating disorder? A lot of it had to be my own self-talk and the way I thought and what I allowed myself to believe. And I had to remove factors such as me eating alone. So I had to have someone that I trusted that helped me make a dinner, make a lunch, make a breakfast that I could tolerate and not be so afraid of. And I had to trust that person that they weren't trying to, quote unquote, make me fat and fatten me up. So I also had to develop some potential alternatives. Well, what were some alternatives if I wasn't able to do this on my own? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, one would be that I would go into treatment. So I want you to be thinking about this. And when we come back, we're going to also continue to talk about choice. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I also want to thank you for telling your friends about the show and all the things that we have to offer on the website. So make sure that you visit that. And you can also see all of the shows. If you haven't been able to listen to it, you can listen to it online on any of the podcast services that you have. So we are talking about the wise choice process. And I wish this was easy and I wish it was fun. But it is imperative for you to learn how to do this if you are going to have the life that God has destined for you to have and for you to have a life that you can be proud of. So we were talking about this decision-making process in the last segment, and it involves these steps, defining the problem, identifying limiting factors, develop potential alternatives, and analyze the alternatives, select the best alternative, and then implement the decision. And so this is part of what the difficult thing that we were talking about in the, la in the first segment is that we have to define the problem. See, the decision-making progress begins when I identify a problem. That means I own it. It's a real problem. That I'm not going to water it down. I'm going to actually be honest. And I'm going to recognize that accurate definition of the problem will actually affect all the steps that follow. So if the problem is inaccurately defined, like I was talking about in the first segment when I was struggling with an eating disorder, and I was in complete denial of it. So every step in the decision-making process will be based on incorrect, an incorrect starting point. 
See, one way I can help determine the true problem in any given situation is by identifying the problem separately from its symptoms. Now, that may sound strange because the symptoms are the things we're trying to get rid of, right? But actually, the symptoms are the very behaviors that are telling us what the problem is. So as I talked about this eating disorder that I had struggled with in my 20s, my 30s, even into my 40s, that I really didn't want to come to terms with the fact that in order for me to be healthy, I would have to gain some weight. That was really tough, really tough. And so the most obviously troubling situations found can usually be identified as symptoms of underlying problems, right? So my bout with anorexia had more to do with myself, how, how, I, how I saw myself, how I felt about myself, what I thought was right for myself, what I was trying to do to, to kind of chase and, and get feelings that I was wanting to have. And so I had to recognize that the symptoms, you know, that is indicating that there's something wrong in my life. And the, the strange thing about it was, as I was losing all of this weight, I was getting all kinds of accolades. Now, not by doctors, not by, not by my family, but I was getting these good feelings for the wrong reason. And see, the most obviously troubling situations have symptoms for the underlying problems. And so these symptoms all indicate that something's wrong and something was wrong in my life. The other issue is that I may not want to admit or identify the root causes. See, being successful doesn't just attack symptoms. I must work to uncover the factors that cause these symptoms. So part of what this was about in my family, I had great parents, but my father was worried about me or my sister being overweight because what he saw in his family was that his sisters were overweight and they were having trouble getting a husband. So my father didn't want me to be alone. He wanted me to have a family. So his intentions, I know, were good. But what happened is it went completely upside down. So it wasn't just me losing a few pounds because I was an athlete. I was a swimmer, a diver, a cheerleader. I was very athletic. And so this wasn't really an issue until it became one. And so here's what happens. Time pressures frequently cause us to move forward after considering only the first or most obvious answers, or what we would say maybe is the easiest answers, right? And so the successful problem solving requires, requires thorough examination of the challenge. Now, this is one of the reasons why I was put into the hospital, because I wasn't figuring it out on my own. And not only that, it was getting worse. So a quick answer may not be the result. And it might, even if it seems like it, it might not be a permanent solution. I should think through and investigate several alternative solutions to the single problem before I make a quick decision. And what I want you to think about is, if you are struggling with making the right choice, and you don't know how to do it, or you're afraid, usually what this means is that there is some attachment. So somehow this behavior is helping you in a way that you may not understand. So me struggling with anorexia 
was me trying to fix a problem of people not liking my weight, not thinking that it was appropriate, where I was just 15 years old. So I went to the opposite extreme, and boy, did I fix it, right? And so I have to be careful about not making quick decisions. One of the best-known methods for developing alternatives is through brainstorming where a group works together to generate ideas and alternative solutions. Well, we see that in business all the time. What I want to suggest to you is if you have something that you know in your life is really not helping you, it seems like it is in the moment, but it's also very problematic, I want you to think of a couple of friends that can brainstorm with you. Now, nobody can make you do anything. Nobody could make me deal with anorexia. But I did. And so this is where if you have a group that has a similar value system, if you have girlfriends, if you have, you know, guys that you work out with, that you know that you can talk heart to heart with, they can help you to hear some of your thinking. And so that they can kind of say, hey, that's a little bit off or that's a little extreme. Or I think you're missing the obvious, like, here's what really is the problem. So. When we're doing this, that's brainstorming. We're kind of just saying, okay, let's put this out here. I'm not going to criticize it. I'm just going to talk through it. I'm going to listen to what you say. You're going to listen to what I say. And we're going to see if we can come up with some kind of a solution that may not be perfect, but is actually causing you to move toward health in any area of your life, whether that be about money about your physical body, about children, about whatever that may be. This is what you want to be doing is saying, hey, can you just do like 30 minutes with me and just just listen to me talk when I talk about some ideas I have about how to not do this or how to start doing this and whether or not I can continue to go in the right direction. And so I want you to concentrate on the problem at hand. Now, this rule keeps the discussion very specific very specific, and avoids, you know, whoever is there, the tendency to address the events leading up to the current problem or getting too fixated on the current problem or getting too in the weeds with trying to find too many solutions. So I want you to think about that, that, that this is one of those times that the discussion has to be very specific and that we're not kind of going on rabbit trails, that we're saying, what's the real problem? Let's always come back to the real problem. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure that you tune back in as we work more on this idea of wise choices and how you make wise choices. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and as always, I look forward to Sundays and being able to talk with you and encourage you. And just be a friend that comes alongside and says, hey, have you thought about this? And so today we are talking about this concept that you always have a choice. And it sounds strange, but we really do always have a choice. We can even choose to not have a choice, right? (laughs) So this is the free will, excuse me, that God has given us that we want to take advantage of. And so you always, always have a choice. Just not, it just might not be the choices that you prefer, but you always have one. 
And so you can't blame things on people. Now, I'm not saying that if you are harmed by someone, if someone has wronged you, that they don't, that they certainly hold the blame. But what we don't want to do is just really take advantage of the fact that, hey, but it's still not my fault. So you have a choice. And this idea of choice is that you can take responsibility for what you are doing, saying, thinking, and dreaming about. I don't know if all of it will happen. I don't know when it will happen. But this is what we have is choice. This is what Adam and Eve struggled with in the garden, and they failed, obviously, right? And so we always have a choice, even if the choice presented to us is not one that we want. So I want you to be thinking about this. Are you abdicating your choice because you're lazy or because you don't, you're afraid to make a mistake or you don't want to face the problem? Whatever this may be, what I want you to think about is this was what Adam and Eve did. This is Adam's choice. Adam chose to fall with Eve. He chose to eat the apple. He knew what he was doing. To, not completely that it would, you know, create this whole entire thing for the next, you know, however many millennials. But it's kind of like I, I, what I say to people about Adam's choice. I say, we fell to hell and God stopped the drop. See, he could have just let it go and we would have continued to fall. So Adam's sin brought fear. And this is the first feeling that he had that was negative. And we're not originally designed for negative feelings. Sin brought them. Maybe God had, had new feelings because of us, but most certainly Jesus did. See, God is incomprehensible and amazing. He was willing to feel feelings he may have never felt before. Just as you that have children experience feelings you've never felt before, both positive and negative, maybe regarding their behavior, the ch your children's behavior. Feelings that were maybe our fault, they can even be negative, they can be positive. See, knowledge is what brings fear and shame, but knowledge also brings us the ability to make good choices. So this is what I want you to think about, that we all have choice. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and, uh, to, to 19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live. See, when I choose death, I have to repent for that. Now, I'm not saying that, obviously, I haven't cho chosen death because I'm here talking to you. But when I choose things that would otherwise kill the dream that God has for me, I need to take responsibility for that and recognize that he has given me free will. And I'm the one that gets to choose, even if I don't like the choices. See, my choices are unique to me. It is my unique way of choosing life, of undoing Adam's choice, we're choosing death. See, if I use the gift of free will as a way to resist self-will, now hang on there with me, I will die to self-will, and that means I give my will to the Lord, and his will is to undo all the things that I would do or have done. So when we consider 
what God is doing. That he's saying, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. See, that's what I was doing when I was hospitalized. I was finding me, my real self, and putting on the new self that I found and not going back to the old way that I was. And this is why this is so powerful to consider. So when we are thinking about this, that we always have a choice. You can't blame it on anyone. If you choose poorly, you need to be an adult and take responsibility for it because you're not perfect. Now we have one more segment to go. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll talk to you in a couple of minutes. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. As always, thank you for joining me and for, for telling your friends and your family about the show as well. I truly appreciate it. And we are talking today about the wise choice process. And this is really important to recognize that choice is the thing that God gave us. It's like that was quite a gamble. And so it could go either way. If he gave us free will, which is choice, we might destroy ourselves or we might become the coolest people he's ever dreamed us to be. It's a choice. So the wise choice process can help us make responsible decisions. And what we want to think about is that when we're encouraging people to think through their choices, we're wanting them to think through them in a manner that promotes deeper understanding of their own actions and the consequences of their choices. So when we think about the wise choice process, it can be a very powerful decision-making tool, and it helps highlight the relationship between choices and consequences in our life. And it is a very important concept for students to master in college as well as in life. Even if they're in kindergarten, we want humans to learn that there is always an outcome. And we have some control over the outcome at different times. But if we just make better choices, we won't have to undo and redo so many things in our lives. So this is where we start. We have six questions that we work with with people to address any type of a problem. And the first one is, what's my present situation? So what's going on in my life right now that probably is not working? What's my present situation? And then what's the present situation in an area that is working? So a lot of times we see people saying, my relationships are just falling apart, but I'm sure making a lot of money, right? And so we want to think about what's the present situation? And we want to make sure that you're not lying to yourself. We want you to be truthful with yourself. And so then we ask ourselves, how would I like my situation to be? What's your, what's your ideal future outcome? A perfect world, right? Where you would end up like, I don't know, like what? What would be the perfect scenario? And then it's fine for us to like fantasize about that so that we know how far off our choices are. Obviously, it's never going to be perfect until we get to heaven. 
So we say to ourselves, what's my present situation? And what am I actually contributing to or refusing to address that is maybe causing my present situation to not be as good as it could be? And I'm getting tired of the way my life is going. So since this process is for you, see, you would only be lying to yourself if you're not truthful. So it's really okay to say the truth and still not live by it. Okay, this is the general public that we have. All of us do this to one degree or another. That I can say, yeah, I really want to work on this. And then when I get to the thing that I have to work on, I might go back to, oh, well, I want to think about it a little bit longer. I don't really have time right now. It's not really that bad. Whatever the case may be. But I need to assess my own present situation. And am I okay with it? Now, if I'm not okay with it, okay. That doesn't mean I have to do anything about it. But the thing that will help me the most as I go through my life is if I'm honest, at least with myself, right? Because myself knows when I'm lying. And this is where we want to say, wow, what is my present situation? And I want to be truthful about it. I don't have to tell anyone about it unless I want to. But this is a process for you. It doesn't make any sense to lie to yourself about it. And then you want to ask yourself, how would I like my situation to be? So usually this process has a lot to do with the way we look or how much money that we have. So how would I like my situation to be? What is your ideal future outcome? How would you like things to end up? What do you want to feel like? And see, I'm not saying this is like magic and it will all come true. What I'm saying is as soon as you start putting those thoughts into order, your brain begins to come up with a plan to make it happen. So I have to ask myself, do I have a choice here? The answer is always yes. You choose. You always have a choice. Even if you have bad alternatives, you can choose differently. And this is why we want to make sure that we are working on the fact that we can and will, if we want to change things for ourselves, we don't have to wait for something to come into our life to change our circumstances. We actually can do it ourselves. So what's the likely outcome of each of my possible choices? So in other words, how do you think the choice is likely going to turn out? If you make that choice, what do you think is going to happen? If you can't predict it, then I want you to stop and I want you to gather more information. And then you say to yourself, which choices will I commit to doing? I'm not going to do them all at one time. So I'm going to pick from my list and I'm going to go back to step number four, remembering that committing means giving that choice your all. That I'm actually going to put effort into it. And if it doesn't work, I can at least check it off the list and say I don't have to try it again. I can be proud of myself for trying. And I can say, you know, there was some stuff in there that really did help me. So which choice will you commit to doing? So you're going to pick this from your list. You want to lose weight. You want to have more money. Um, you want to, to not be so anxious. You want to have a different job. Whatever it may be, you're committing your choice to you're, you're committing all of you to that choice. You're not just putting one little foot in. 
And remember that committing means giving that choice your all. So let's look at how this works in the real world for a situation. For example, say your present situation is that you're enrolled in a class that you don't like, that you don't feel is difficult, it's beyond your capabilities, and that you feel as though you're failing and that you're just going to fail. Well, first, objectively, you describe the situation. Are you really failing? See, this is where we have to be careful between the truth and a feeling. I can feel like I'm failing, but am I truly failing? Have you spoken to an instructor or a teaching assistant or your boss or your family that might have some input for you? So what about the class do you not like? You need to define the problem. Secondly, you ask yourself, what would be your optimate end result? So let's say if this is a class, then we can say, I would like to achieve a passing grade and enjoy the class I'm enrolled in. Okay. That's good. It's very specific. Third, you want to ask yourself if you have any other possible choices. Well, of course you do. There are many choices. And sometimes you just have to look a little deeper. But there are always a choice. And so fourthly, let's list the choices you have. You can drop or withdraw from the job that you're in. You can drop a class if you're in school. You can go another route. If you are attempting a new job, you can say, you know what, I did this for three days, it's not going to work for me. And a really healthy thing for me to do is quit now and not put more time into something I don't like. And so this is where you make an effort to recognize what are my options. You could also choose to ignore the problem and push through it hoping for the best, right? Now, the last thing is you go through the list and you imagine the likely outcomes of each scenario. So if you drop the class, do you have an alternative class to choose from? Is it too late in the semester to drop it? Well, this is where if you see a tutor, it is possible that you might begin to feel better about the class and you might actually finish it. So maybe you need to go talk to an advisor. Maybe you need to talk with someone that knows about your situation. So this is for adults as well. This isn't just for students. See, we're all a student of life anyways. But adults, what do we do? Maybe we go see a therapist. Maybe we talk to a psychiatrist. Maybe we get into a health club that is really making a plan for us so that we feel better. Whatever it is, We can say, you know what, just because I failed in the past doesn't mean I'm going to fail in the future. But if I ignore the problem and just hope it will go away, it's going to get worse. So let's go through the list and make a choice based on achieving the optimal result you decided when you started. Remember, not all choices are mutually exclusive. Sometimes you can do two or more at the same time. But going through life and, and making a list of possible outcomes helps you identify the choice that leads you to the outcome you desire. And you know what happens sometimes, which is quite amazing? Sometimes the, cho- you know, the choice that you had that you were desiring, the, a certain outcome, you end up with a different outcome that you like even better. And what I can tell you for sure is if you do any of this, What you're doing is honoring your own life. This is you putting effort into you. 
And your body, your mind, your soul, your heart will reward you. Because they want to feel honored as well. They want to feel good too. And so you can really make friends with your body, your entire body, and say, wow, this is the vehicle that God placed me in to do my life. And I'm going to take care of that vehicle. And so you can go through and say, here's a dream. Here's a hope. Here's a necessity. Here is an absolute. This one's an experiment. And you can begin to really take on your life and recognize it as the gift that God intended for it to be for you. That he was happy when he created you. And he has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, for hope and for a future. And we want to trust that process. And that means that mistakes are just as valuable as successes. And it's hard sometimes for us to recognize that. But if my mistakes help me make a better future for myself, then that's amazing. And that's a good thing. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And I want you to really think about this idea of choices and really catch yourself when you are acting like you don't have a choice. And what you might want to say to yourself is, I always have a choice. (laughs) I just may not like what I have to choose, but I always have a choice. And if I will make my choices, I will at least be moving forward. And so I'm really excited for you to go through this process to recognize that you have a lot more power than you give yourself credit for. And you can be the person that you need to be and actually then have the life that fits you best. So I'm so glad that you listened to the show today. And I want you to think about this that you can be transformed. But really and truly, nobody really wants to change, actually, that we think about it. But to actually do it, that's something to really be proud of. And that doesn't mean you do it perfectly every day. And it doesn't mean that you're done at the end of the day. What it means is you're owning your own life. And I want you to see your life as a gift, even if it doesn't always feel that way. I mean, I know what that feels like. I haven't always liked my life, and I haven't always wanted to live my life. But it is my life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you again so much for joining today. Make sure you check out the website and all the things that we have available for you, and I will talk to you again next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. 
If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-